0: And welcome to BibleQuest.org, where we have an open discussion on God's communication to man. Now, each week our broadcast is recorded live, made available for viewing in the future, if you'd like to share this recording with others. And you can find all the previous recordings on BibleQuest.org, as well as on Facebook and YouTube. Now, this is an open discussion, so we invite every one of you in the audience to join in on our conversation, you know, with your questions and comments. And you do that by uh, uh, opening up the um, question and answer box. If you're coming in on the Bible Quest Zoom app, look for the Q&A button near the top of the screen. Click on that, and that'll bring up your question and answer box. So enter your text questions or comments in there at any time during the show. Uh, Make sure you're using that window of the Q&A box, not the chat window. It's harder for us to monitor that chat box. Our panelists are Scott Smeltzer from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Scott. How you doing?
1: Good afternoon. Good to have everybody here.
0: Good to see you, Stephen Rouse, also from Gettysburg, PA. How you doing, Stephen?
2: Welcome, everybody.
0: And we also have Jeff Smeltzer from Exton, PA. So I was Hello. going to say something else, right? How you doing, Jeff?
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: Okay, and I'm Drudy Grotto from Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Okay, so let's get into our topic today. Which is Cornelius and Peter. And I'm going to start reading the text and then we're going to start having the discussion and we invite your questions and answers as we open up the discussions. So, beginning in verse 1 of Acts 10 At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually. God. So, what's the unique thing about this fellow named Cornelius, guys? Well, I
1: think the the thing that is especially unique is that he is an Italian. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Up until this point, uh, everybody who's become a Christian have, they've all been Jews, I guess you could say, with the exception of the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. But even the Samaritans thought of themselves as worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And had been circumcised. And had been circumcised. And, and so, so this is a new development here. Day of Pentecost, 3,000 people. Everybody was a Jew or a Jewish proselyte. You know, you get up to the 5,000 men later. Everybody's a Jew or a Jewish proselyte. It's interesting how many times I talk with people and, and ask somebody, you know, in the beginning of the church, was it uh, Gentiles or Jews? And they have no idea that the church started out as all Jews or even that all the apostles were Jews or even that Jesus himself was a Jew. They, it was all Jews.
0: Yeah, wouldn't you say it was that way for the first few years, a couple of yeah. years, two years ago? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. It was a Jewish church. It was Jewish people who had been waiting for their Jewish Messiah. Exactly. And now they're Jewish disciples serving the Jewish Messiah. Exactly. And so, so there was a natural inclination amongst many of the Jewish believers, the Jewish Christians, to think of the Church of Jesus Christ as a Jewish thing. And to them it was... It was an odd idea to think that somehow Gentiles would be a part of this, and that's what Cornelius is is going to demonstrate. And for Gentiles to be a part, for instance, you had Nicholas the proselyte back in Acts 6, a well-respected man in the church. He wasn't born Jewish, but he had been circumcised and had converted to Judaism, and as rabbis would say those people were now Jews. So uh, as long as you were a Jew... You could have part with the Jewish Messiah, Stephen. Hey, you know, real quick, real quick, Scott. You've just thrown something at me that's caught me by surprise. You said Nicholas the proselyte in Acts six. Yes. Yeah. Show me that real quick. Uh, it's in verse. It, he's uh, among the seven in Acts chapter six no. five. I see it. Yeah. So about out of five thousand men, they were told pick out seven men everybody respects. This guy is one well respected individual. But the difference between him and Cornelius is he actually is a proselyte. He had converted you know to Judaism. He was in the club. I'm not sure I had never paid it. I, I'm not sure I'd ever caught it that. that had ever struck me that he that it says he was a proselyte there. Interesting. But your point is that for a gentile to be a part of this this kingdom of Jesus Christ, this church of Jesus Christ. It was expected that he would essentially convert to Judaism. He would follow right. Moses, be circumcised. Yep. And that's really what the Cornelius is going to test. Right. He's himself thinking that, but that's what the Holy Spirit intends by Cornelius.
2: Exactly. Stephen. Yeah. This is one thing that really this chapter and what comes after it, when the church goes from being just Jews to Jews and Gentiles, is going to be the backdrop for a lot of other New Testament commentary. The book of Galatians, notably. Yep. But also passages in Ephesians and other places. Uh, I remember being confused growing up. Why does the Bible talk so much about Jews and Gentiles? What's like? <laughs> like, I know they didn't like each other, but the 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 mindset that Peter has going into Acts ten of like this is new, this is different. What's going on? And and all the confirmation that he needs for him to accept that yeah, Gentiles are really in uh, that. Cultural understanding really helps us in a lot of the rest of the New Testament to understand what a big deal Acts chapter 10 really is. Acts 10 is a big deal. Let's continue with the chapter.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't unique to Peter. It was all the Jews had this mindset. Right. Uh, So, okay, continuing on with Acts 10. and About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is, lo- he is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. You know, it's interesting when I lo- read that. Here's, a, here's, a, here's a, a, I don't know if he's a commander. Well, he's a centurion, right? Of, of Italian cohort. This is a powerful man, weaponized man. Gone to war, and he's. it says here, in terror when he saw him. So this was this was a moving vision for him. Um, we're going to go on to say something about that also, about the Lord. I was going to ask you about the Lord. Who's he calling Lord here, Scott?
1: Uh, it's the angel. Of course, the word Lord means master. He's praying. A messenger of the Lord shows up, and it, it startles him, and he, he says, What is it, Lord? And this is what it's, and it shows that God notices people. This doesn't mean that this man was saved because later when Peter retells this story in Jerusalem, he's going to say, he told us how the angel told him to send for me whereby he would hear words whereby he could be saved. So he needs to be saved, but it doesn't mean that God hasn't seen him. God hasn't noticed him. God doesn't appreciate the direction he's going. I think this is a picture of what you have in James. When James says, draw nigh to God. He draws them. Yeah, and this is an important point to stress that he was not saved because he is described as a man who is devout, as one who fears God and gives alms to the people. He's the kind of guy that people would look at today and say, that's a really good, pious, religious man. He must be all right. He must be going to heaven. And yet later on, what, what the angel tells him, we're, we're told over in Acts chapter 11 is you need to see for Peter, who will preach to you words whereby you will be saved saved from something. He was lost. And this is the point we need to understand. However good you think you are, however good I think I am, we need to be saved from the things we've done wrong and the penalty of eternal condemnation that is due to us because of the things we've done wrong. And and so going to heaven is not just about being a, a decent, good person. It's about being forgiven of what we've done wrong in Jesus Christ. And that's what Cornelius needed.
0: Uh, Let's go to the next slide, Scott. All right. Verse 7 and 8. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Uh, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheep descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is uncommon or unclean. And the voice came to him again and said, What God has made clean, do not call common.
1: This is a big deal here. Uh, You know, somebody could read this verse and think, well, what's Peter doing? The Lord said, eat it. Why isn't he eating it? This is, this is a, a shocking thing for Peter. If we can put it in this terms, okay? Uh, if, if you've been raised to live a godly life and, and stay away from, you know, things like, uh, you know, drugs and, and, and uh, substance abuse and everything, and all of a sudden down comes a sheep. And it's full of LSD and heroin, crack cocaine, you know, bottles of whiskey. Rise, Scott. <laughs> you know, take some of this. I think my reaction would be, by no means. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't do those things. This is a test, right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Peter. Does not know yet what this means, but he is thoroughly uncomfortable with the. And what's in the sheep? But uh, they're the unclean things. So let's let's figure maybe some pigs, maybe some wild pigs, maybe some snakes, some lizards, you know, some some cap. Who knows what's flopping around in there? Uh, and uh, and this is he was hungry, but this is not what he wants to do.
0: I would go so far in saying he was very hungry. <laughs> Uh, and, up until and, now <laughs>
1: yeah uh, uh,
0: up until now, that's exactly right, and
1: the, and the voice is repeated three times, and so we're going to get just two verses from now in verse seventeen, I think it is where after the vision's over, Peter's left scratching his head, he was much perplexed in himself what the vision which he had seen might mean that 's the way it's translated the american standard
0: yeah let's get to that next slide, Scott,
1: you know what. I am missing. I am missing a slide there. I think I took out the wrong one a few minutes ago. So uh, I've got the text open here. I'll, I'll, I'll read the next part. Go right ahead. I was supposed to take out a duplicate slide, and I think I eliminated one of the ones we need. All right. So um, this was done three times straightway. The vessel was received up into heaven. While Peter was much perplexed in himself what the vision which he had seen might mean, behold, the men that were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood before at the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek you. Arise and get you down and go with them. Nothing. Or I have sent
0: it, Scott. Scott, you did not delete that slide. That was not in the original. Oh. So I'm glad you it read. Was? No, the ones we had was not there. Oh, no. I meant for it to be in the original. That's all right. I just like embarrassing. You're good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did Any you want we go ahead?
0: Uh, did you want me to go ahead and then go into the next slide here and read this? Sure. All right. So. After all of that,
1: Stephen has, Stephen has a comment. Oh, yeah, good. ahead. Uh, audience out there, text us with your comments or questions, please. 530 507 8378, or use the Bible Quest uh, app and use the chat box and let us hear from you.
0: No, not Scott, the chat you, box, not the chat box. The, question, the, and box. An, the question and answer box on, on the uh. question and answer box.
1: Okay. Scott, when you yeah. just read, did you read down through verse 20 where the Spirit says, Go with them, nothing doubting, for I've sent them? Yes yeah all right, so just just a quick observation here there's there's a, a series of events here um, that all lead up to the conclusion that that God is is giving Peter a message here over and, and over and over and and the first event of course, is that sheet of all the different kinds of animal coming animals coming down that a Jew would have regarded, including animals a Jew would have regarded as unclean and the voice from heaven saying, "Rise, kill me." The second thing now is that when Gentiles show up at the door and Peter's up on the housetop and he's got Gentile messengers saying, Hey, come go with us to a Gentile's house. Yeah. The Holy spirit says to Peter, go with them. Nothing. doubting. Why would he have doubted? Because he was a Jew and he's being asked to go with some Gentiles to a Gentile house. And as we're going to see in a moment, that's not something a Jew would do. Right. So, number one, the vision. Number two, the Holy Spirit saying, "Go with them. Nothing doubting. I have sent them." So yeah. it's starting to build in Peter's mind. Right, and and there's going to be yet more. Right.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't know everything yet.
1: Right. Right. It, it's this is not. Yeah. There's more to come for
0: He He's just getting beat bits and pieces of this, and he's just following the instructions from the Lord. Okay, I'll go. Stephen, were you going to say something? Jeff took what I was going to say. So. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, I do, we do have some uh, comments coming in, uh, which we're going to address in a minute. I want to get through a few more points, but Cassandra sent in a couple comments and, we're, and she makes some good points that we'll pick up here in a bit. But we, So Cassandra, we will get to your comments, but let me now continue in uh, 21, verse 21. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you were looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So here, I think this is what you were saying, right, Jeff? that here's here's Gentiles, and now Peter is inviting these Gentiles to come in and stay with them overnight.
1: Well, and there's another, another little detail here. Um, in At the end of this reading, you just read, it mentions that Peter is accompanied by six brethren. We're, we're later on told that it's six, but right here it just says brothers from Joppa. And later on, we're going to be told there were six of them, and we're going to be told they were of the circumcision. In other words, they are Jews. And, and the The thing is, they have not had the benefit of the vision of the sheep coming down with the unclean animals and the voice from heaven saying, rise kill and eat. They've not had the benefit of the Holy Spirit saying, go with them, nothing doubting, for I've sent them. Peter, he's ahead of them. He's got that much information now to consider that, okay, God is doing this. But these other fellows, they go with Peter to this Gentile house And there are going to be yet further signs this is from God. And and the further signs are going to especially benefit them.
0: Excellent point. I hadn't actually thought of that before. The vision was, like you said, was only for Peter. Very good. I'm going to continue.
1: Well, we'll get to it in a minute. So I'll just be quiet and let you read.
0: Okay, let's get to the next section here. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. Well, that's the main point, I think, in this section here, these two verses, that Peter's like, letting them know, listen, you don't bow down and worship me. I'm, I'm a man just like you. Now, Cornelius, he didn't know that he shouldn't have done that, being who he was. But he did have respect, and uh, obviously he did respect the Jews, and they respected him. I don't understand why he would have done that. Uh, so let's continue. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered, and he said to them, Do yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked him, why you sent for me? I, I find that last question very interesting. Like you had said, Jeff, he doesn't know why he's going there and what he's supposed to do. And I can't call anybody cleaner. I wonder how those those Italians would take that statement. <laughs> uh. So,
1: of course, Peter is when he says, for God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter is harking back to what he was told when he saw that vision of the meats coming down in the sheet. The, what the, statement, the statement that had been made to him at that time was, what God has cleansed, make not thou common. And so now he says, I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter has figured it out at this point. He has figured out that message was not just about food. That message was about Gentiles who have previously been regarded by us Jews as unclean. If God cleanses them, who am I to say they're unclean? So he's got it, and he's about to preach that to Cornelius and his household. But there are going to be yet two more indications uh, that this is indeed God's will, not so much now for Peter's benefit, but for the benefit of the six Jews who have come with him and for the rest of Jewish believers throughout the world. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to the questions. I think, I think we've got three questions that have come in or comments. Drew, can you bring those in for us?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, Cassandra, she says it was the way God was using to get Peter to understand God's plan. And obviously, it was. It is right because Peter had the narrow-minded uh, approach, as we started out earlier in our discussion. But this, this is only the Messiah is our Messiah. He's, he's only for us. He's not for you guys. Um, you want to read that next one from from Chase?
1: Yeah, Scott? Chase. I'll read it, and then we can talk about it. Chase. Uh, I'm going to kind of summarize it here. Um, Chase uh, comments that he was having a study with a. a people who would have identified themselves as a Messianic Jewish couple. We may or may not want to talk about what that usually means or what that usually indicates. But they were arguing that this vision that Peter had uh, had nothing to do with saying that different kinds of meats are okay, that it was only about Gentiles being acceptable um, he, well, he says, at first glance, this passage may seem like a great one to go to in order to discuss something of that nature, but I quickly learned that using Hebrews 8, 9, and 10 was a better approach. It's a great passage, but this couple, I believe, helped me see the bigger picture of the passage, not to say that it isn't useful to help Jewish people see the need for a new law. So what Chase is getting at is whether or not Acts 10 is useful in talking about the, our, the, uh, the Old Testament law and its application today, and maybe specifically with regard to eating meats or, or just the observance of the law in general. So do, what right. do we want to say about that? Well, I think certainly, I mean, we've got other texts. There's the uh, editorial comment in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that makes things clean. He, thus he said, making all meats clean. Right. And Timothy, you know, anything can now be eaten if it's received with thanksgiving. But that's clearly not the main point in Acts 10. Yes, God has said what God has cleansed, you make not common. There's a change. But the point of Acts 10 is not that after this, Peter is to go eat bacon. You know, I kind of doubt he did. Uh, But the point here is this is it's, it's like you said before after seeing in the vision, what I've made claims you don't call common. He's saying, I understand I'm not supposed to call these men unclean. I'm not to keep the gospel restricted from other people. What's happening here is Peter's neighborhood is going worldwide.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, yeah. Let me add to that too, because mm. it's not talking about changing the diet of the Jews. They can still Stick, stick with their diet of not eating pork. That's not wrong from them to do, but it has Even nothing. In Rome,
1: still, we're doing that. Romans fourteen, they were still following. Uh, yeah,
0: so it was. So it's not saying you you guys don't have to. Well, yeah, you, if you didn't want to, you could. You didn't have to anymore. Right. Uh, but yet, yeah, some people take this too and then go to the other extreme, and they'll eat anything and say, "See, this allows us to eat anything on the planet." And abuse what God has given us too, and, and they may be eating things that are not healthy for them.
1: Well, Cassandra was making that point. She called, yeah. texted in with the observation, too many use this as a way to justify destroying their body through unhealthy living lifestyles. Um, so obviously, no, God isn't saying, you don't have to be a good steward of the body that I blessed you with. All right, let's continue with the text.
0: Okay, in uh, verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore... We are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord.
1: So here's the third uh, thing, the third phenomenon. The first one, the animals being lowered in the sheet and the boy saying, rise, kill and eat. The second one, the Holy Spirit telling Peter, go with them, nothing doubting, even though they're Gentiles. And now Peter and those with him are told that an angel had told Cornelius to send for Peter. By the way, let me point out something here. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's kind of interesting. Peter is being pushed out of his comfort zone here to go to a man before he thought was unclean. However, don't get a picture of Peter as being, you know, a, a, a uptight person who demands everything be nice around him. He's staying with a tanner. This is, I think, the third time or fourth time it's mentioned that he's staying at the household of Simon the tanner. In, in Judaism at this time, there was certain de- traits that were despised. And one of the despised traits was a tanner. That the rabbis even said, like, you remember they had the system where if you, you're, you marry a wife and you die before you have a child, your brother marries her? Yeah. They said... If the brother is a tanner, <laughs> you know, if she was married to a tanner and the brother is also a tanner, she could say, Your brother I could stand, but you I cannot stand. She also <laughs> said women cannot divorce their husbands unless they're married to a tanner. So these were it was a smelly, nasty job. Um and, and that's where our, our brother Peter is. He's staying with his brother and our brother, Simon the Tanner. Yet it's this going into a Gentile's house that is He's having to take a deep breath. That's a good point. All right, let's continue.
0: So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened But God raised them up on the third day and made them to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead.
1: So Peter's basically preaching the gospel to Cornelius and his household and those gathered with him. There's peace with God through Jesus Christ. And Peter's doing the job that he was to do as an apostle, to go about testifying, I'm a witness Uh, Jesus has been raised from the dead. This is the evidence that his claims to being the Christ are valid. Also, let's just point out here the importance of witness and what that means. Uh, Right now, we are not witnessing to people. You know, this afternoon, if we meet somebody on the street and we get to talking to them about the Lord, that is not witnessing. We're talking with them. We're teaching but we are not witnesses in a court of law. Who is it that does the testimony, the evidentiary testimony? It's yeah, it's the witnesses. Um, we can teach, we can preach, but like Luke said, I got the information from those who were the
0: witnesses. witnesses.
1: So and it goes back to Acts chapter one, when they were choosing a replacement for Judas, a replacement apostle, and one of the things he had to be was a witness with us of the resurrection. Yeah. So these apostles were men who could go around and say, I have seen with my eyes Jesus alive after he was dead.
0: Yeah, so when what you're saying then, Scott, is that when I, I hear, I just heard the term, in fact, within the last week about um, going witnessing to people about Christ. That is really taking it out of context,
1: It really is. It it cheapens the word witness. If if, we wouldn't be believers without witnesses, you know, Paul said, you know, Paul was chosen to see the Lord. I wasn't. None of us were. He is a witness and to make just, it, it, it cheapens the word to, 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 to lower it to just talking about something that, that you think or believe. Uh, belief should be based on evidence, and we need evidence from eyewitnesses. And that was an important thing. He didn't appear to everybody, but to certain people who had been chosen by God as witnesses. And as Ananias would say to Paul, you know, God chose you to see his son.
0: You yeah, and, I, and, and I'm glad you point that out. I didn't, I didn't realize that and take it at that point value there, that he's identifying himself and those that saw Jesus as the witness, that is clearly yeah. What's yeah. clear. Before I get to the next slide, Cassandra also made another comment, and uh, it, it's good uh, uh, what Cornelius is asking. She says it's so refreshing to see that Cornelius, who feared God, who was open to hear the word, or to hear rather what God has to say to him through Peter, unlike to many Today, who are raised with a religious understanding and claim to love God, but fail to truly want to study and understand what God is saying through His Word, and that is good to, to recognize that in Cornelius.
1: And that He got His friends and family together. You remember what does Andrew do when He finds out Jesus is the Lord? Goes and God, gets the brother. Yeah, yeah. this is what is remarkable to me is here He is a Gentile. And he is listening to and buying into what has been, in his mind and everybody else's mind, a Jewish thing. And he's willing to embrace this because it's the truth from God. You know what? God calls us out of our culture. He calls us out of the world that we
0: think we're a part of.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very good point.
1: Any other comments before we move on here? We need to move on because we got to get to the culmination of this story.
0: Okay, all right, continuing on. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name.
1: While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Hebrews from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. They were hearing them speaking in tongues, extolling God. So just well, like I interrupted the reading there that Drew was doing, that's how it was for Peter. Peter's he's preaching away, and then all of a sudden, boom. What is
0: that? I <laughs> yeah. was shocked. <laughs> he didn't is, even get to finish his story. This, yeah. is, <laughs> this is the fourth
1: of the of the phenomena now. The first was the different animals in the sheep and the voice, rise, kill, and eat. The second was the Holy Spirit saying, go with them, go with these Gentiles, nothing doubting. The third was to find out an angel had spoken to Cornelius and told Cornelius to sin for Peter. And now the fourth thing is... When the Holy Spirit comes on these Gentiles and the Jews who come with Peter see that, they come to the conclusion that Peter has already come to, that God intends for these people to be part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit here doesn't come on Cornelius and his household in order to save them immediately in the sense that Holy Spirit's on them and they're saved. The Holy Spirit comes on them as a sign to the Jews who had come with Peter and by extension to the Jews back in Jerusalem and throughout the world, these Gentiles are going to be acceptable. We'll see that as we go on in the text. Peter's going to draw the conclusion, right? Next and verse. Peter's later going to say they received it the way we received it back at the beginning. Not like when apostles laid hands on people, they got what we got back at the beginning. All right. So here's the reaction, Drew.
0: Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days.
1: Why does Peter
2: even raise the question, can anyone withhold water? Up to this point, they would have had a lot of objections to what was going to happen in baptizing these men. They haven't been circumcised. They don't keep the law of Moses. They're right. Gentiles. Right. And you now he's like, after you've just seen what you've just seen, any objections? <laughs> 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 with cold water from these guys? this out right. Or, you know, and so he's just confirming with them, you guys recognize what this means. Right, right.
0: Now, if okay. they did object, who would they be objecting to?
2: Right.
1: Exactly. They would be objecting to God.
0: Exactly.
1: And so now they're baptized, and then he stays with them for several days, and he's going to be in their house. You remember when the Jewish leaders went to Pilate to uh, talk to try to get him crucified, Jesus, Pilate had to go outside of the governor's residence because they didn't want to go in that Gentile uh, residence and be unclean. Mm Mm-hmm. Peter now stays, and uh, then we get to this. It, it would be nice if this text said, Now the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God, and there was joy and rejoicing. rejoicing. <laughs> Unfortunately. No no um, I want to know why Peter went in and ate
0: with those Gentiles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when Peter went up to Jerusalem... The circumcision party criticized him saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. And you, you just can you can hear you can hear we, we talk about racial tensions in, in our world today, and we talk about discrimination, we talk about bigotry and all of that kind of thing. You can just hear the disgust in in the tone. Here you went into men uncircumcised and you
2: ate with them,
1: and yep. and of course the message here is in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is no distinction, and your hearts are cleansed by faith when you are baptized into Christ's death. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, you become part of the people who are set apart, holy unto God.
0: Wouldn't you? Right. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that this is the main point? Of this story, yeah. And yet, Cassandra raises a very good observation. She goes, "Why do people today stop at the Holy Spirit being poured out and use that as a doctrine? It clearly, it clearly instructs us and follows the commandment of Christ."
1: Yeah, the Holy Spirit baptism was a promise to the apostles in Acts two and a sign here. It wasn't what they were instructed to do. They didn't know it was coming. Just like the sheep that came down from Peter, he didn't know this was coming. This is God sending a message, putting a stamp of approval and acceptance.
0: And if you you go with the point that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is still in effect and necessary, and then you now also have the baptism of water, as we see here, that means you got two baptisms.
1: And Ephesians says you have one. Back. Right, run short on time. Let's get down here to just the real end. Real quick, I know we're short on time, but let me just squeeze in one quick comment. Sure. The significance of the baptism here. Notice that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'd just like to remind everybody, on, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, when Peter cried out, when people cried out, what shall we do, realizing that they would sinned grievously, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ. What he is telling Cornelius and, and his household to do is exactly what he told the 3000 on, on the day of Pentecost. Right. And Cornelius has been praying to God, but that hasn't saved him. Uh, when Paul himself realizes he who the Messiah was, he prays for three days. That's not when his sins are taken away. His Sins are taken away when he's baptized. All the- right. So how did these Jews get convinced that what Peter did was the right thing? Now well, <laughs> so after they said this, you have just real quickly here, Peter began and explained it to them in order. Well, let me tell you, and he goes back he goes through these four things the vision the the angel the the uh the spirit told him to go, and he sends Joshua. he'll tell you mess and saved that's what he'd been told, and then drew read the for voice.
0: Okay, the slide just hung up. There it is. Okay. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way?
1: One thing that strikes me here. It, Peter is not going back and saying, hey, this is, whoa. I, he probably does see the beauty in it, but it's not that, oh, we, he's saying, hey, this is what God did. <laughs> you know, i this, it's out of my control. I don't get to pick it. I didn't get to do it. And I think there's a lesson there for us. When we're teaching people, if we put down the Bible and we start talking about what we think and why we believe this is important and that and then they start thinking they don't think so, then they you're arguing with us, we're arguing with them. Read the word, and if they want to argue, who are they arguing with? God. We're arguing with God, yeah. Yeah, just to, to underscore that point, Peter does not say, well, you know what, it makes sense that we shouldn't be bigots, or it makes sense that uh, we should be tolerant of Gentiles and so on. That all may be true, but it's true because God says so, not because any human being thought that. And when he lays out these evidences, and it I think one of the reasons there's these four big signs is because there needed to be a lot of convincing. And even later we'll see problems for some other people still want to get the message. But after the Jews heard it, and here's another lesson. You have an objection, you see what God said, do what? All silent. They glorified God and said, Then the Gentiles, God has granted repentance at least to life, whether they liked it or not.
0: Well, shut my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man.
2: We've got our anybody last, thoughts, comment? Anybody? Got our last yes. comment here in Q&A. Cassandra says, it's consistent with all the apostles. Peter responded as Philip with the eunuch in understanding God's plan for salvation for those that believe, repent, and confess Christ is to be baptized into Christ. Um, So this is consistent with the New Testament teaching. As you just read through the book of Acts, each of these conversion accounts keeps pointing us to the same steps that we need to take to be made right with God. And there's a reverse order here than what we usually have in Acts two, people
1: got baptized and would receive the gift of the Holy spirit, which I don't think is the same as this baptism here. Uh, In Acts eight, people are baptized and later have hands laid on them and are given spiritual gifts here. They received the, the Holy spirit baptism, or they're baptized. The order has changed to kind of make a point, and so, and so that you need to realize these fellows are appropriate candidates. And it, one last thought is maybe this: um, it was a, a little bit like if if I pulled in a fellow right now that was a, a, an atheist, and I said, "Hey, let's baptize this guy." You all three would say, "No, no." no, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> until this day, if he said, "Hey, let's baptize Cornelius," they would have all gone.
0: Yeah, no. no.
1: We're out of time, guys.
0: Yep. All right. Thank you, everyone. I really enjoy your comments and questions, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, Scott, we have our subject for next week, which is?
1: Old Testament foreshadows. See oh, you all next Tuesday good. at 2 o'clock. Excellent. Foreshadows from the old into the new.
0: Great. We look forward to seeing everyone next week, and I uh, hope everyone enjoys the week. Thanks for joining us, and everyone have a good day.
2: Thanks,
0: everybody. Right. Bye-bye.